Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood. It was created in our kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, and it all started with a simple idea. What began as Laird's secret for long-lasting energy on the waves is now Laird Superfood, offering a full range of delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and more. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 and save 20% on your first order. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Hello, and welcome to the Psychology Podcast with Dr. Scott Barry Kaufman, where we give you insights into the mind, brain, behavior, and creativity. Each episode will feature a new guest who will stimulate your mind and give you a greater understanding of yourself, others, and the world we live in. Hopefully, we'll also provide a glimpse into human possibility. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the podcast. But right now, I'm excited to introduce my guest for today, Lewis Howes. Lewis is a lifestyle entrepreneur, high-performance business coach, author, and keynote speaker. A former professional football player and two-sport All-American, Lewis hosts the School of Greatness podcast, which has received millions of downloads since it launched in 2013. Lewis was recognized by the White House and President Obama as one of the top 100 entrepreneurs in the country under 30. He's a contributing writer for Entrepreneur and Yahoo.com and has been featured in the New York Times, Forbes, Men's Health, The Today Show, and other media outlets. Howes is an advisory board member of Pencils of Promise, and his latest book is The Mask of Masculinity, How Men Can Embrace Vulnerability, Create Strong Relationships, and Live Their Fullest Lives. Lewis, thanks for being on the podcast today. Thanks, Scott. I appreciate it, man. I wanted you to be on here for years, and I'm so excited <laughs> that you're on there. I get the sense that one of the things you're most proud of in your life these days is what you're doing with Pencils of Promise. I noticed on the internet, like, things you've been saying and, and the things you've been doing for them to really help them. Tell me a little bit about what that organization is and what you're doing with them. For me, Pencil Promises helps build schools around the world for kids in need, for kids that don't have actual physical schools in kind of the poorest areas of these countries in Guatemala, Laos, and Ghana. And uh, I think they've built over 450, it might be 500 schools now. And we've built five ourselves, but we've built almost 40 through my influence and through getting other people to build them. And it just means a lot to me because growing up, I felt like I was always stupid and I felt like I never had anything interesting to say. I felt like I wasn't smart at all. And I was in the special needs classes. You know, I was picked on because I couldn't read and read aloud when the teachers would ask me to read from a book and open up page 32, chapter 
you know, uh, paragraph one, line one, it was like I would stumble over the simplest words. And so for me, I understand the importance of education. I feel like it was hard for me to, to learn through the model of the school that I had growing up. But learning in general is something I'm obsessed with. And that's why I created personally the School of Greatness, because these are all the things that I wish I would have learned in school growing up that they didn't teach us. And so I said, I'm going to create that school and I'm going to create opportunities for physical schools for other kids who don't even have access to it. So that's what it's all about. I love it. And we obviously bond over people thinking we're stupid when we're young. That's something that we have bonded over for a while now. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I really, I think it's great what you're doing in that space. So I want to talk to you about, so you have this podcast, then you published the book, The School of Greatness. Yep. But something still nagged at you. Is, is that right? And it kind of was that's the right, impetus man. to writing this book. So what was that? Yeah. You know, four years ago at 30, a lot of things happened for me. I was going through a bad breakup and I didn't have the emotional capacity to really express my feelings. And I didn't have the emotional capacity to really leave that relationship. I was allowing things to happen that shouldn't have and just didn't know how to cope and deal with the loss of that intimacy. I started to allow this anger to come out of me where I was getting in different arguments and fights and very aggressive in other areas of my life to the point where I actually got in a physical fight with someone. And at the end of it, I mean, his face was mangled, blood everywhere. He had to go to the hospital to get stitches. And after it, I was just like, what is wrong with me? Why am I, as a 30-year-old man, getting in a fight and allowing myself to be so triggered and emotionally charged when someone steps to me or whatever they did? to actually physically want to hurt someone back. So these things first triggered me to be like, okay, something's not working. Like I'm doing these things and I don't feel good about who I am in the world. So I said, why? I just started asking, why am I reacting this way? Why don't I have the ability to cope with these things? Why do I feel like I'm always, someone's out to get me? Why do I feel like I'm suffering emotionally in these areas? Why do I feel like I have a lack of inner peace, pressure and stress? Like these things for some of my life, drove me to achieve accomplishments in sports and business and, and other things like that. But I was so unfulfilled when I would achieve these things that I just like, okay, why? There's got to be a better way. So this put me down a path of discovering and being aware of all the things that I was afraid of. It confronted me in the, the most intimidating ways where I started sharing my fears, my insecurities, my the things I was ashamed of, the things I was guilty of, and started just kind of revealing all of them verbally. And I talked about being sexually abused for the first time in 25 years. And the more I just kind of opened up and just said, here I am. I have nothing to hide anymore. I'm not going to project this perfect image, this jock image, whatever it was. I'm not going to project it like I know all the answers. Here I am. I don't know all the answers. Here's the shit I've been through. And They've terrified me, and I've been lying to you for my whole life about these things. Mm. When I started to open up, I felt an unbelievable sense of freedom. First, I felt terror because I was worried that everyone was going to judge me and not accept me and no one was going to love me. Once I realized that everyone loved me more, people accepted me more, people trusted me more, they respected me more for sharing these things, for being open and being vulnerable, it was like this freedom. It was like for the first time in my life, I could be who I've always wanted to be, which is myself. And I could go through life and I didn't have this like fear that people weren't going to accept me anymore. And I was like, if they don't accept me for who I am, then I'll find someone who does and I'll focus on those people. 
But I was like, I'd rather have zero friends and be myself than have all the friends in the world, have everyone love me, but me not love myself because I'm not being who I want to be. So that's how this journey began. It was like, I felt this freedom myself, wanted to dive deeper and understand the science behind why I grew up a certain way, why I put on different masks, why other men do this. I wanted to study it from psychiatrists, psychologists, and other individuals. And then I was like, I want to write this, you know, I wrote a book on this for myself, for other men like me. Then I realized, like, as I was writing this, like, this is the keys to the kingdom for women. And if women could understand the husband, their boyfriend, their father, their brother, their son, what they might be going through, the mask they might be wearing, and understand it from a place of love, as opposed to making them wrong, the amount of harmony and support and community and togetherness we could all form together would be mind-blowing. So it's been an interesting process. And I knew that in order for this to be effective, I had to fully reveal all my crap, fully reveal like my biggest fears and embrace them, you know, and and become, you know, the Batman. Like I'm afraid of bats and now I'm just going to wear a bat suit because this is the thing I'm most afraid of. So I'm going to let everyone see my fear and just put it out there. And I'm going to get stronger by embracing my fear because I'm going to let people see it. And I think that's what I realized I needed to do. I was like, I need people to hear these stories. I need them to, to talk about them. I need to open up in ways that are very uncomfortable for me because it's going to bring a level of opening, a catalyst, awareness to other people. Yeah, it's very brave, very brave of you. And you definitely have a lot of male fans that look up to you as a role model of masculinity. So mm-hmm. for someone like you to do that is, we really should not underestimate the power that you yield to do that. Yeah. And I'm a, I know, I'm a big fan of Brene Brown and Oprah and, yeah. and Deepak Chopra. And they talk about vulnerability and you know sharing and expressing yourself. The challenge is most men that I grew up with would not be open to ever watching Oprah's show or, or listening to Brene Brown or any feminist talking about vulnerability and what men should be doing. But I think my hope is that, you know, the men that need it the most, these kind of like alpha, aggressive, stoic, you know, men who grew up not thinking that way, maybe they can see me and maybe see themselves in me, this tall, white, physical jock male who is an athlete, who has also built businesses you know, and accomplish some things that are like cool in the masculinity world. And hopefully they can see it and be like, oh, maybe I can learn something from this guy about success in my life or, you know, opportunities. And then realize that, oh, it's actually much deeper than just making money. It's about finding inner peace. So, you know, that's cool. And I'm just thinking like, is there (laughs) male vulnerability and is there female vulnerability? Do males and females have different issues when it comes to the need to show more vulnerability? Uh, I mean, vulnerability is universal. I think men tend to be less vulnerable in certain stigmas that they face that they can't be. So I can't share about certain things that have happened to me in my past because I need to be a strong man for the people around me. So I can't act like it affected me. I think women also, especially now in our time right now, feel like a pressure of needing to look sexy and hot all the time, to be it to excel at their work or in their entrepreneurial career and to come home and cook and clean and, and be chill and be relaxed around their man and like and turn it on at any time and be sexual at night. Like 
there's an enormous amount of pressures that women, I, I understand, face and feeling like they can't be vulnerable as well. So I feel like they're different for our time and for what's happening right now. But it's hard to be vulnerable in general because it's a, it's fearful. It's a lot of fear that comes from being vulnerable. What if someone doesn't accept me? What if someone won't love me anymore? What if they make fun of me by being who I am? That's why we put on masks as men and women. We wear these masks to fit in. Brene talks about, gosh, what's the quote she said? The opposite of belonging is fitting in or something like that, where it's like when you try to fit in, that's when you don't belong because you're not being who you really are. So, you know, we, we face different fears as men and women, but vulnerability is universal. Yeah, I like that answer. Did you find your, with the fitting in thing or the, the need for belonging, did you find yourself like saying things or doing things on social media or as your business that wasn't really at the core of your authenticity of who you are, but you knew it would get you likes? No, I'm sure, yeah. There's nothing that like stands out right now that I'm like... I was never the guy that was kind of like showing like the flashy cars or I never did that. At least that I, to my memory, you know, when I, I take that back when I was like in a helicopter ride in Hawaii, I was like filming from there, but it wasn't like I need to show this sense of like luxurious life. It was more just like moments of adventure. That's just not my mask as much. I live more minimal. I mean, I wear like a black V-neck t-shirt every day and like, I like nice things and I like to be comfortable, but I, my worth doesn't come from the amount of money I have in my bank account and letting everyone know how much money I have. Whereas that's the material mask, which I talk about, where some men feel like they need to show it all the time. You know, show your car, show your watches, show this and this. And again, I'm not saying anything's right or wrong. I'm not trying to judge anyone who do these things. I just look at it coming from a place of, well, why do we do these things? Why do we need feel the need to like show our cash or show this? If it's for a reason to show an example of what's possible or if it's to inspire or something else, okay, cool. Or if it's to educate, cool. If it's to feel like we are accepted in the world because we have this much money or we're projecting this, is that really making us fulfilled? And if all that money was gone, would you still be accepted? Would people still love you? Something to ask yourself. So I think it's just coming from a place of why am I doing the things I'm doing? Why am I aggressive? Why do I need to conquer every woman in the world? Why do I need to have all the answers all the time and be always right? Why do I always need to use humor instead of, you know, to deflect things or use humor in a times that could be vulnerable, but I don't know how to cope with my emotions? It's just asking why, what's underneath these things that hold us back from getting closer to our vision. That's why I ask myself, it's not right or wrong, good or bad. It's, is the actions you're taking working for you to help you get closer to your vision of your life or your relationships or your career? Is it working or not? And here's the funny thing is some of these masks, you know, the mask, the material mask, when I was broke and on my sister's couch and had no money, I put the material mask on. I said, I need to focus on making money. I need to not be broke. I'm going to fixate on this, you know, 15, 20 hours a day. And it worked. I made a lot of money. I built my business. Like those things worked. But it was so consuming that I gained 60 pounds and people started calling me Fat Lewis, that I didn't have any other relationships, that I was doing business deals that weren't authentic to me and that didn't feel good. And I felt like I kind of 
you know, wasn't looking out for my audience on some of the things I was promoting or selling because I was just fixated on making the money. And I said, okay, is this working or not working in terms of a bigger vision that I have for myself? So that's what it's all about. It's just like evaluating and being fully aware. I think, you know, the ultimate man is fully aware of his fears and insecurities and can own them with confidence and can stand in them and talk about them. And that's what it's about. Sometimes a lot of us aren't able to share those things because we're so terrified of what other people might think. Yeah. And you make that point clear when you go through each of these different masks. Each of those masks are a way of protecting a particular image that we want to protect. Yeah, it's exactly. image protection, each one of them, right? I was going to wait till like the very end of this interview to ask this question, <laughs> but I want to ask you right now, and I hope that this doesn't sure. signify the end of the interview. I'd love to know, like, who is Lewis Howes at his best? Because I can ask who is Lewis Howes, but you have to understand, like, all of us are, are all a lots of things. But who are you when you're at your best? Loving, passionate, joyful, graceful, non-judgmental, courageous, service-minded, coming from a place of win-win, and always looking to lift others up. I love that. And that's how I think of you, by the way. So that's, nice. that's, that's good. But let me tell you my observation of what I heard there when you said that. I'm such a psychologist, aren't I? When I heard that, I heard you mention a lot of very positive, stereotypically male and female traits. So what you did is you combined kind of the best of humanity, both male and female. So that suggests to me that you know a big part of your message is not, you are trying to change our perceptions of our stereotypical masculine image. Is that right? I think so. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to figure out the best way to feel at peace and feel fulfillment and meaning inside and to create more fulfillment in the world and bring humanity together. And I realized that, I, you know, I, have, I feel like I've had an interesting life because I have two older sisters and a mom that were there and always talking about how to treat women. Like they would, my sisters would go out on dates and they would have bad time and they'd come back to me and be like, never do this when you grow up, Lewis. Like never do what this person did. So I was kind of always trained of what women were feeling and what women were wanted. And I felt like I had this very sensitive side to me. I was, you know, sang in a choir. I was in the school musical. I played guitar, I salsa dance. You know, I enjoy and appreciate jazz and music and art and poetry. I appreciate these things because my sisters grew up appreciating these things. But then on this other side, I have like a, a more rough masculine side where my brother was in prison for four and a half years and I visited him in a prison cell, literally visiting room with 50 other convicts in the room and their families and heard some of the deepest, darkest stories where I was bullied, picked on, picked last in the special needs classes my whole life, had tutored my whole life because uh, people said I was dumb, and used that sense of the story that I told myself is that no one loved me, no one was there for me, and, and no one saw me. So I took all this anger and pain and said, I'm going to be the biggest, fastest, strongest human being I can be, and I'm going to be so good at sports mm -hmm. and so strong that no one will ever be able to hurt me or make me wrong or pick me last ever again. I'm going to be the best so that they have to acknowledge me. I'm be so good they can't ignore me, right? Yeah. And um, so I had these kind of like conflicting – I had like the extreme masculine machismo energy on the sports field. 
And then I had like this sensitive, vulnerable tenderness, like around women and my girlfriends, you know, in the time I would like sing lullabies to them on the guitar. I was like very contradictory and I didn't know how to balance it because I just didn't know. And I came from a place of needing to be right and needing to win Mm -hmm. in sports, business, relationships and life. And needing to be right all the time is extremely exhausting. And needing to win all the time is exhausting as well. Because if I'm right and I'm the only winner, that means I'm isolating myself on an island where everyone else is a loser and they're wrong. And I'm alone when I'm right and I win. But when I come from a place of, you know, how can we all be winners? How can we create a win-win in every situation? How can we come to a mutual agreement on things as opposed to you're right, I'm wrong, whatever it may be, I realized like, wow, there's so much more harmony in this. There's so much more grace and love and community and fulfillment as opposed to just being right and alone all the time. There's so much more to life than that. Yeah. So a lot of things you're saying really cut at the core of a common humanity that I think a lot of people listening will recognize. And I sure do. I mean, I'm not going to pretend here that that I didn't wear all sorts of masks for the same exact reason yeah. you did. Same yeah. exact reason. I mean, a lot of people who have kind of been stripped of their power as children tend to overcompensate. And I'm trying to go down your list here of your masks. Yeah, you're, you're, the, you're the you're the know-it-all mask, right? You're the one who oh, gets all the degrees. Well, that's who... one. I, I picked that one, but I, I wanted to go down the list because I, I, sure. I, I, I saw a lot. <laughs> Not just Let's that hear one. It. I mean, here's the thing. And, and as you read the book, I talk about myself as an example for each mask. Oh, yeah. So it's like, I've lived all these, I live them still. It's a matter of being aware of them and being able to say, you know what? Okay, let me take it off and just be authentic and be myself. Well, I appreciated you did that so much that I want to be vulnerable here now as well with you. Sure. Yeah, for sure. Let's hear it. Okay. So if I'm going down this, I see a lot of my childhood, the know-it-all, of course. Your Mm -hmm. sports was my know-it-all. But Joker, you know, I got detention a lot because I was the class clown. Like Mm. I really enjoyed making all the kids laugh and and that was uh, that was fun. Yeah, it, was Actually, your, it was probably a way for you to be seen and be acknowledged as, as someone who adds value and who wants to be around the group, right? Yeah, and I still enjoy that, by the way. So, yeah, of course. Yeah. Who doesn't like that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I have a nuanced answer to the aggression one because I think mine was like yours on the battlefield or the battlefield must be the sports yeah. field. But, yeah, but yeah. I'll tell you what mine was. I became a hacker. and um, Really? Yeah, as a way to reach Like a troll? Uh, no, 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 no. Like I – um. I created like something called a bulletin board system. Like I had a BBS. This is back like pre-internet. I don't know if anyone knows what that is. I put up for free like games and things that were like, I mean, I, I it's too... I can't like Napster can't. before Napster. Yeah, exactly. There we go. There we go. Like, you know, like yeah, yeah. people, Napster, right? And all that. But this is before all that. And like I had like Wolfenstein 3D for free to people and stuff. Uh-huh. Anyway, some people might catch such that. Such a right. rebel. Yeah, I was such a rebel. But I felt that was my way of gaining control, you know? As we all try to work out our masks and undo those masks, that's, you know, been trying to, I mean, I think that a lot of things you're saying dovetail really nicely with like the humanistic psychology movement and Carl Rogers and authenticity. And I'm really trying to work on that as well. So we're all on our path to that. And I found your book really touching, quite honestly. Thank you, man. Um, Appreciate it. Really, it was the most raw thing I've read from you. And the humility of it is just incredible. I mean, it's I was reading it, I was like, I think you're too much humility in this. Like, like I'm afraid you went in the opposite direction too. Like, you went from school of greatness to like, to <laughs> school like, of I, suck. I am nothing. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, wait, Lewis. Like, <laughs> can humility itself be a mask as well, by the way? 
I, I was wondering. Yeah, I think if someone's just constantly, if you don't acknowledge your gifts, I think you're just, then you're not stepping into your greatness. There's a dance, right? It's like, how can you acknowledge your gifts as opposed to discount them constantly? I think for this book, I was just making reference to like, man, I made a lot of mistakes as a man and as a human being. And I hurt a lot of people in this instance when I wore this mask and when I wore this mask, like I just suffered inside and made other people wrong. And when I wore this mask, I just, you know, everything fell apart in my business. And so I was just looking to, you know, you look at my bio on my site, I talk about all my accomplishments. So it's not like I'm discounting the things I've done, but I think it's recognizing like, okay, as much as these accomplishments have been great, or as much as I'm great at one skill or this or that, does it matter if I'm suffering constantly or if I'm hurting other people? Does it matter if I don't feel fulfillment? There's a story I talk about in the book with Robin Williams, who is arguably one of the funniest people ever to live, who made more people laugh and smile and cry tears of joy than any other man, maybe. One of the top 10 probably comedians of all time, right? And yet he was unable, he took his life. He took his life. He was unable to find inner fulfillment. He wasn't able to find that peace. And I'm not trying to make an assumption here because I don't know exactly what happened, but I could only guess that whenever he took his guard down and actually tried to just be himself, which is probably just like a loving, vulnerable man. And people were like, where's the funny Robin? We want the jokes. We want this. And he's like, okay, let me bring it up for you. Da, da, da. And it's like he, he probably just felt like, you know, I always got to do this around people or they're not going to like me or they're not going to love me. Again, I'm just making a guess here. Because I know how I am when I put the Joker mask on. It's like, well, maybe they won't like me if I'm not just myself. And um, so I can't remember where I was going with this, but the, you know, Robin's story for me is a great example of like, he had all the talent in the world. He had all the gifts in the world to make an impact. And maybe he wasn't acknowledging them. Or maybe he also wasn't just allowed to be his true self when he wanted to be because everyone expected him to wear this mask because it, it did make an impact. It did bring so much joy to people. But I think you have to honor yourself the most. And if it's killing you inside that you're making this impact, then you got to find a way to shift inside so you can do both. Find impact inside and fulfillment and still bring your gifts to the world. Don't discount your gifts. Bring them out and then learn the strategies to, and emotionally and mentally, to be yourself and to cope with certain things and to go through life with uh, the challenges we have. So, yeah, like not just find fulfillment, but be your full self, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, that's awesome. You said something really interesting that many of us have worn our masks for so long that we're not even sure what's actually underneath them anymore. I mean, how do you like? For a lot of people, you know, it can actually be a terrifying, pro- you know, and then they have to see clinical psych, very get a lot of therapy because it can be you can't just rip a mask off someone, you know, who's had it. Well, for you so could long. it just be traumatic yeah. experience. It can, be traumatic. It, it can be. It's going to be a transformational experience, right. and it's going to be a breakdown, which could hopefully create a breakthrough if you're in a safe enough environment and space, and all these things happen. I think a lot of people. The only way we can truly take our mask off is with some type of interruption in our life. That may be going through a divorce. That may be going through a traumatic breakup. That may be someone dying in your life, having a near-death experience, seeing something so close to your life, a friend of yours experienced something and have an experience on you. 
going through a therapeutic experience. You know, some people get, find these breakthroughs at retreats or workshops or emotional intelligence experience where you can finally have that moment of clarity and awareness. But most people are never allowing themselves to feel awareness around what's really been happening their whole life for five years or whatever the process may be until there's an interruption, something, someone actually shaking them physically and saying, wake up, like, wake up, you've been doing this. Why? And unfortunately, it usually takes a big interruption in our lives for that to happen as opposed to just someone waking up one day and saying, oh, I wonder why this is happening to me. You know, it's like usually there's got to be that interruption. No, that's for sure. A major theme in, in your book as well, I noticed, is this idea of perfectionism. You get it close with this line, no human being could ever successfully live up to the standard we've created. Few ever even come close. You know, it sounds like, you know, there's that's some Kristen Neff self-compassion stuff in there as well. You know, like you're, you're saying to a lot of men, like have more self like a common humanity and not be so perfectionistic that you're like, gosh forbid you, you're imperfect. You know, like, oh my gosh, you can't, you're not allowed to be imperfect. Yeah. I mean, this goes for men and women. You know, I think oh, women yeah. feel this sense of needing to be perfect again in the bedroom, in the workforce, at home, and like with the kids and always have, you know, look good. It's a universal feeling. You know, I think men have a, a big pressure on their shoulders to be a certain way and to be strong and not show emotions and to be like this perfect image for the, the women in their lives and family. Absolutely. And it's just a, it's a weight, it's a pressure that, we don't need to live with because it causes emotional stress. And as I'm sure you have studied that the emotional and mental tightness that we hold on to for years creates physical ailments, creates cancers, creates complications in our physical health. And our physical health then brings us more stress in the world and holds us back from, again, living our life with our vision. And all these things it comes back to, does this work for us and work for humanity, or does it not work for us in helping us bring our vision and our dreams to life? And if it's not working for us at the best level that it can, then how can we approve it so that it will work, so we can get closer to our vision and living with harmony, living with fulfillment? That's what it's about. I love that. And I love that uh, you're, you're trying to uh, help women and men both. There's one mask I think is does have some unique male issues, and that's the sexual mask. I think that women have different pressures. Their sexual mask might be different than the, the male sexual mask. Let's zoom in for a second on the, the sexual mm. mask. You talk in there, you highlight Neil Strauss. And you know when his book The Game came out in 2005, like every male, you know, we're like, whoa, you can game, the, amazing. Si you can game the system. Exactly. <laughs> amazing. There's such a prevalence of males who go through this phase. And it's almost like, like enough already. Like, like is every generation for the end of time? Is there are males just going to keep going through over and over and over again? Like, is there some wisdom? Yeah. Is there some wisdom our thirty-five-year-old selves can <laughs> can tell? I don't know. I think this is a challenge because you know I don't understand all the science yet behind biology and our our DNA and our makeup and our testosterone levels are higher. So I think it's just like we see something and human nature just turns on a switch and we're just, you know, driven to want to conquer it or to have that, you know, woman. And so I feel like there's a lot more research and science I have to do to fully understand it. But as evolved, emotional, intelligent human beings that can make conscious decisions and choices. And again, no right or wrong here because, you know, Hugh Hefner just died yesterday, right? Yeah. From, from recording this. And 
you know, he there was a lot of people who thought he was like immoral and wrong and this and that for living the life he did. But there was, I think there was a cartoon graphic that came out this morning. The guy lived his life the way he wanted to that was authentic to him. Now, I'm sure he, he was marrying some masks and different things, but he seemed pretty happy. Yeah. He seemed pretty fulfilled. He built an iconic brand. He was always in his pajamas. Like, what's, I mean, for me, it seems like he was living his life that was great to him. And there was this cartoon graphic that had Hugh at the gates of, of heaven, like looking up at heaven and God was there talking to him. And he said, I just left heaven. Where am I going? You know what I mean? It's yeah. kind of like, you know, we, we can judge him or we can say certain things were wrong, but his truth was he wanted to live the way he wanted to. And he wasn't hurting anyone the way he was doing it. He seemed very gentle. He seemed very giving and kind. And, you know, he was a support person. It seemed like, you know, I didn't know the man, but it just seemed like from the things I learned. And so there's a challenge because I think as men, we're more driven for sexual desires because of our testosterone and our biology to want to procreate. Again, I don't understand all the science, but um, it's again, thinking about what serves my vision. Does having sex with a new girl every single night and then emotionally connecting with them and persuading them to get in bed with me and then saying, okay, see you later and never talking to them again. If you're not communicating openly and being clear and being, you know, you know, just not trying to persuade someone or manipulate someone to do something, there's going to be consequences. You're going to feel empty inside. You're going to hurt people. So look at your life as like, okay, if you want to have sex with lots of people, just make sure that you're doing it from a place of love and you're communicating so that people know clearly the intentions, what's happening, all these things. And it's just like, is it effective to have 20 women in your life that you're having sex with every other week? Can you manage a life and your vision while constantly managing all of these energies and conflicts? I mean, it just seems like a lot. You know, in a perfect world, it seems like this, maybe this is heaven. In another world, it seems like maybe it's a nightmare. You know what I mean? So it's what it comes down to. Yeah. Can you give me some examples of some of your role models from a masculinity perspective? I mean, Tony Robbins, Ray oh, Lewis, yeah. Scooter Braun are, you know, kind of role models of what Good. they've done in their lives. And, you know, a lot of people I've interviewed, Dr. Drew, I'm just looking at the people on my wall that I've interviewed who are just, you know, even Randy Couture, you know, he's mm. in all these men have different, you know, accomplishments and they wear different masks as well. Well, they have in the past and mm. they do now. And well, but all these guys, yeah. Let's focus on Tony Robbins. Um, who, yeah, and you do, you do mention him in the book, that's right. And you contrast him with Ty Lopez, who is an internet celebrity who seems to uh, need to bring in his material successes or rentals into his videos. Exactly. So, can you contrast the two to each other? They, they both have a lot of wealth, but how are they different? Yeah, I think, listen, Tony's also not shy. Like, he'll have a photo of him on his private jet and there's photos of him at the Golden State Warriors games because he's a part owner of the team and things like that. But it's not like every photo is him standing in front of his jet talking about like what it takes to be successful and get rich and blah, blah, blah. It's coming from a place of like service and contribution and making an impact. And, you know, I think people can judge or think certain things about him and he's made a lot of money and maybe there's certain masks that he is or isn't living with still. But 
I believe that he's, his general message overall is how do we give? How do we come from a contribution? How do we help heal? How do we help build strong relationships? So his message is teaching abundance, teaching harmony, teaching contribution, teaching these things, as opposed to get as rich as you can so you can have a Ferrari and a car and a house and this like me. I think it's just a different dance of how you share these, your message with the world. And I don't see, feel like he does it to show how much money he has because people are going to accept him now or think he's manly now or think he's worthy now. I think he's just showing his lifestyle. I'm just flying to Bali and like wanted to connect with you guys for a moment and talk about the meaning of life. You know, it's like more philosophical and heart centered than money centered. Even though he does have books on, you know, money master the game, he has financial books, but again, it's setting your life up for abundance, not just to to get the nice things. Can you name any male role models of yours? that you think kind of illustrate this more enlightened aspect of masculinity that of people that are, aren't high in social status. I noticed that like all the names you mentioned, like that you really admire, they all have that tinge of high social status. And is there anyone that just like, re- you really like, yeah, like, there's like a the guy person, I really yeah. like cool. Rob Bell. Okay. A guy, even though he's well known as an author and in kind of like the Christian community, he was on tour with Oprah He's done a lot of like, he's got a big audience, but he just lives a humble life. He's like a few blocks from me in just like a, you know, medium, moderate sized house, nothing fancy. And he's all about finding meaning. And he's all about like finding your spiritual compass and living a rich life of community and connection and, you know, expression and art. And he just always seems to like find joy. As he's, I think he's in mid forties, maybe late forties. He just seems like he's like always like a little kid. He's just like he finds joy in like the littlest things, and I just love his. And he's a father of three kids that are just awesome. And he's just like he cooks there. He cooks for them. He hangs out with them. He plays music with them. He also lives his life and writes his books and speaks around the world. And I just find that really cool. He's like my spiritual yeah. compass. You know, it's just like man, could I be more giving and more like joyful? And I just, I love being around him for that reason. Yeah. You know, when you just mentioned Rob Bell and you talked about him, your face lit up and you kind of went to a different place than when you mentioned just all those other people that you mentioned. Yeah. And I think that's kind of revealing in a way. It's, you know, who you really want to be as a person, it's very clear to me who you want to be and who you know, sometimes maybe we name drop people. I do, you do, other people do. We don't really like aspire. We don't, you know, it's not yeah. the core. There's just people on my wall yeah. that have yeah. my wall of greatness yeah. that I was yeah. looking at. I saw that. Like, yeah, you're looking uh, yeah. at But something about Rob Bell um, and those characteristics. Rob you Bell's the man. Yeah. I just feel like, you know, I want to be more like Rob Bell for sure. He's amazing. Yeah. Um, so I want to end here on a quote that from your book that I, I think really encapsulates um, this, this very forward view of masculinity. For me, I look at a man as a symbol of inspiration, someone who lives to be of service along his journey, someone who follows his purpose, who experiences fears, but has the courage to face them and move forward anyway, someone who is loving to all people, creatures in the world, including himself, someone who can take care of his basic needs and teach others how to live in abundance, someone who doesn't judge people, but looks for ways to lift others up, someone who leaves this place better than the way he found it. That to me is a man. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, thanks, uh, Lewis, for inspiring so many men and women and making the world a better place yourself. I appreciate it, brother. Thanks, Scott.
Thank you so much for listening to the Psychology Podcast with Dr. Scott Barry Kaufman. I hope you found this episode just as thought-provoking as I did. If something you heard today stimulated you in some way, I encourage you to join in the discussion at thepsychologypodcast.com. That's thepsychologypodcast.com. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.